What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. And then the part comes in where the lady's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. That whole part, it's awesome. I always love the girl parts in songs. I feel like they're the best. But anyway, uh, what is love? That's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Grace Church Online. My name is Javen, and I have the distinct privilege of introducing you to God. That might seem like a really big deal, and it is. And the first thing I want you to know about him is God is love. In fact, we're singing about it. Love is one of the only things that can absolutely let you down and you'll keep coming back for more. Uh, love is something that all of us need, the song says, isn't it? Love is all I need. So we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about how God is love. But everything that I've mentioned so far about love, I want you to understand, has nothing to do really with God and everything to do with the way we see love. Now, there are three different loves that we're going to look at today, and then a fourth love, which is God love, which is divine love. And I'm going to show you, it is so much better than you can possibly imagine. So join with me today, and if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in 1 John for the most, most of this message today. Love never fails, and I want to demonstrate to you that if you've experienced a love that has failed, there is a love that never fails. There is a, a version of that song where we don't have to sing about whether God is going to hurt me no more, you know? I mean, God always loves you with everything he has, okay? And that is, that is exactly how he feels about you. So let me introduce you to love, to agape love to God. God is love. It's an awesome thing to get to share with you today, and I'm really excited. Let's jump into 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. If there's a revelation that I hope you, you gain from all of this, it's that God is love, and it's a love unlike anything that you uh, may have ever been able to give away yourself. This is a love that is special and it is to be received so it can transform your love and then you can give away this kind of love. But if you've never received the love of God, if you've never received this kind of love, then you maybe have only experienced the kind of love that you will see represented in scripture between three different groups. One would be friends. Surely you've experienced the love of a friendship. Uh, the love of a, of a family member would be a second one, a familial love. And then, of course, a romantic love or the love shared between two in union together, right? So you have these uh, three different understandings of love and all of them pale in comparison to agape love or the love of God because all of those loves have need. And we just sung about it, right? One of the needs is please don't hurt me with the love that you have. That'd be great, okay? So uh, we all have needs within our love, but God does not. God does not operate out of need. Remember we talked about this last week, right? Paul walks in and he goes, oh, I can see here that you guys love the idea of love, but you don't really know love if we were to put it in that sense. And so he comes and he explains that love doesn't need anything from you. Love is not a love that uh, is worshiped in temples or needs you to serve him. No, love is so much greater than all of that. Uh, God is love, a love that has no need and a love that loves for love's sake itself. Like it's, it's incredible to try to wrap your head around how different God's love is while contrasting it with our own. So let's take a look at this word. It's agape. It's a Greek word and it means divine love with an understanding that it's benevolent or kind. 
Boy, that should sound familiar because that's grace. So because of Jesus representing to us that he himself is grace, we understand that God is a gracious God who loves us completely and fully, and he shows us this first with Jesus. So our loves have potential. Uh, they have potential to be filled or transformed with God's love, and then we'll begin to see things change on earth. You know, many like this, this idea of heaven being on earth. Well, that happens the moment you receive God's love, transform, get transformed by it, and then begin to administer a type of love that the world looks at you like you're crazy. It's the kind of love that will forgive your enemies. It's the kind of love that will uh, forgive before somebody even says they're sorry. It's the kind of love that will go forward and, and look out for and provide needs for others without even thinking of yourself. That can be you. And it first starts by understanding who you are. And that's important to know who God is because it says right here that you are born of God. So if you are born of love, you're a creature of love, and you are someone who can love this way if you will surrender the loves that you have to him. So here's the rub. All of us experience these types of loves, and, and, and we know what it feels like to have those kinds of loves fail us. I can tell you as a dad, I remember holding all three of my kids when they were born it's a powerful moment to hold your child, to hold this little one in your arms that God has given you and you, and you, and you look at them with this responsibility, with this sense of protection, with this, this sense of love that's overwhelming. You just can't even imagine it until you change a diaper and then you have a second thought and then they smile at you and you come back. You know, it's, it's really an exciting ride. But as I just even mentioned, you find that our loves, although powerful, and maybe the family version of that might be the closest we have to understanding an, uh, a love that's not based out of what you deserve. Uh, it's love based on something else. Uh, even in those moments, we fail our kids, don't we? Moms, you know, I got my heart cup here today. It's not just because we're talking about love, it's Mother's Day. You understand what it's like to be a mom and to do your very best, and yet you know you're going to fail your kids as well. I fully anticipate my children coming to me at some point in time and saying, Dad, I need to talk to you about a few things that when I was a kid, uh, I don't know what happened there. I know that's going to happen. You know, to give you one such example of, of, of the ways that we fail our kids and we do our best uh, to not beat ourselves up, just yesterday, we had a little bird that got trapped in our pool area, you know, and I love my kids, but I really love the idea of them getting to bed because it was bedtime and they needed to get to bed. But Daddy, there's a bird. There's a bird that's trapped. How in the world are they going to sleep knowing that the little bird is trapped? And so I spent some time getting the bird out. And just so everybody at home knows, the bird is safe. It did get away, and it does not have coronavirus as far as I, as far as I know. Uh, so it's, it's, it was this awesome little moment with my kids, okay? But I missed an opportunity to involve them, and I instead had them sit apart and just kind of stay away. And, and as I sat down in my chair afterwards and they were in bed, I just thought to myself, why didn't you get them involved? Why didn't you bring them in? So look, we have to give ourselves grace, right? We have to forgive ourselves too. And our loves don't quite match the standard that we would think God would you know, set for us or he would, he would demonstrate for us. I feel like Jesus would have had the whole family involved getting this bird out. And, and so we have to forgive ourselves and we have to, to deal with the rubs that we have here on earth and this broken idea of love. For example, I'm sure uh, many of us have had the opportunity to whisper I love you to someone only to have that person crush you a week later. Uh, maybe you've had uh, uh, the loss of a loved one, someone who you loved and now they're gone. And you say, well then what? how can love be so powerful and yet I'm experiencing loss? Maybe you've 
been brokenhearted from a friend who betrayed you and you thought, how in the world could love be so great if, if I have to be worried if it's going to hurt me, as the song we sung earlier said. To love requires vulnerability, and you're right, it does open up the possibilities of being hurt. And maybe if you experience hurt here on this earth, you're not even willing to entertain the idea that God could be love because that's a scary thought. That's not a safe bet at all. If God is love, well, wait a minute. I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by pastors. I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt. I've been hurt. I've been hurt. And if we're not careful, we will allow that to harden up our hearts to where we won't even be open to the natural loves, let alone God's love that can come in and replace that heart of stone with a brand new heart. So if you're sitting here today and you are hurting, I, I really encourage you, you've just been hurt by earthly versions of love. And, and would you open up your heart today? Would you allow God to, to come in and love you well? Because God is love. Now, <clears throat> there's three things that John shares with us in that first passage of scripture that I wanna draw your attention to. Number one, love is from God. I don't know where you think love comes from. I don't know if you think we create it. We don't. Love is from God. Number two, love gives life. Well, is that what you often feel when you are loving someone? Is it giving life away? Well, that's what God's love is like. It gives life. John just said you're born of love. Number three, that love is selfless. Isn't that crazy? That love could have no part of you in it. That love could have no motivation in it for you, but everything for the person you're loving. That's the way that God loves. It's totally different. So, how do I know if my love is like agape love, like, like the best kind of love, the, the love that, that, we, that we, we, we swear by, if you will? How can I know? Well, hold it in the light. Let God uh, reveal what kind of love you have, uh, what kind of love it is that you're holding, right? Does it, is it godly? Does it look like him? Is it life-giving? Does it, does it, uh, does it, is it selfless? Or is there a part of this love that you're administering that has a little bit of that, uh, something in there for you? Let me give you an example. As a mom or as a dad or as a parent or as a brother or a sister or anybody living on earth, there may be an opportunity for you to do something called tough love, okay? And it's these moments where we, out of our insecurities, if we're being honest, we don't know what to do. And so we surrender to the idea that maybe I just need to be tough. I need to give a tough love. You know, God administered tough love as well. We see Jesus sitting on a car, hanging on a cross. That's the toughest form of love. You know, the difference between God and us is that God knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly how it's all going to turn out. He, he knew seeing Jesus on the cross. He already knew this was setting everybody free. It was going to re, uh, reveal love to the entire world. He, he knew what tough love was going to produce. But when you and I administer tough love, we don't. Can I encourage you that when you have that thought, as an example, as one form of love, as one demonstration of what love looks like on this planet, can I encourage you that if you feel like you need to administer tough love, will you please first take that love that you think is love, Go surrender it to agape love and say, God, will you make sure that this love that I'm about to administer is both godly, that it has life within it, that I'm going to administer life to this person that I'm going to have to talk with, you know, right now, and, and, and that this love would be selfless, that it wouldn't be about my insecurities or my uh, frustrations or wondering, will my son ever change? And I don't know, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to be tough. <laughs> well, what if instead we love the way that God loved? I encourage you to allow God to transform your ideas of love. One of those uh, times in our life where we allow uh, the definition of love to change would be at weddings. 
I get to do weddings, and, and one of the verses that I can tell you, uh, the moment I said love and weddings, you already know what verse I'm going to. There's a chapter in, or a, a handful of scripture here in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, where Paul explains exactly what agape love looks like. Now, as I read this to you and you read it along with me, please don't hear this as our love, okay? Because it's not our love that Paul's talking about. It's God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Agape does not brag. He is not arrogant. God does not act unbecomingly. He does not seek his own. Agape is not provoked. He does not take into account a wrong suffered. He does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. He bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. God never fails. Do you see that? You can interchange his name, his, his, uh, what John has described him as, as love with these words. And you can see a dimension into God that maybe you've never seen before. Maybe you've read a lot of the Old Testament. You've read a lot of other areas of scripture. And you say, I don't understand this God. If he is love, then how am I to understand these things? Well, I encourage you to once again, this was a revelation uh, that, that, that Paul had later. So I encourage you to once again, see everything through the spirit, see everything through the understanding of what Jesus produced for you and for me. He showed us what God is really like. Oh, he's not vindictive. He's not sitting there just waiting, waiting to smite you or, or whatever. No, he loves you so much that he sent Jesus. He sent himself to demonstrate that he's not self-centered. No, he's selfless, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So let's take a look at these, at these three things that John says that impact God as a father. He's not like your dad, is he? He's, he's the best form of a father. God as the son. Oh man, a husband looking out for his bride, right? Uh, you have uh, the spirit who promises to be the best friend that you've ever had, to, to walk with you forever. So. God is the best forms of every version of love that you and I enjoy and endure and, and suffer through in some ways. God's the best version of all of those things and we can look to him to see how our loves need to change. So number one, if we're appealing to this higher love, love is from God. <laughs> you wanna see how different uh, the love of God is from every other major religion in the world, every other humanistic understanding of love. Let me show you how different it is because you will not find this anywhere. Romans 5, 7 through 9. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though for perhaps the, for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, just think of the contrast there for just a moment. Many will go off to war and fight for their loved ones back at home, and that's a worthy thing that we all applaud and say, hey, wow, look at this loving sacrifice. And yet, God loves people who hate him, who absolutely detest him, don't believe he's real, all of those things that you can think of that are negative. He loves those people. He loves, in other words, you and me both. He loved the whole world, even though the world didn't love him and didn't even have an idea as to what love was. Like that is God. And the moment that we hear those words that God loves you, and those words enter into natural man. Did you know that there's a part of you that says, well, of course he does, because I am good, right? We just read it in Romans, right? For even a good man, some might die. That's how you and I work, is that, oh, if someone died for me, it's because, well, 
I'm a good guy. Like, I'm worth, he wouldn't die for a bad guy. He wouldn't die for Hitler, would he? That's crazy. Like, why would you want to do that? Like, no, no, I'm a good man. And within us, we begin to think that that's why God loves me is because I am good. No, it's not about good and evil. It's not, it's not about any of those things. It's about that you and I were thoughts of his, Ephesians says, before anything ever was. And he fell so in love with you that he created you and made you the focal point of all of his love. It's incredible. It's not based at all on, 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 on you and, and whether or not you deserve love or not. Listen, love died for the world because the world needed it. That's why. That's what they need? Okay, that's it. Like, that's a whole different kind of love than you and I ever experienced. Like, how often do you have someone just do something for you? There's nothing in it for them at all. It's, it's just because you needed that and I'm going to do it. That is the kind of godly, that's a, if you see that on earth, that is a sliver of what God is like. That's a picture into agape love. This love that comes from God. But let me, let me, let me ask you something. If every, if every version of love, by the way, that we have, it suffers from need. Well, listen to these words that Jesus once shared in Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. How do you wrestle that with God being love? <laughs> Wait a minute. If we hear that through our lens, we just, we just heard that, that, that God wants us to hate our families and our own life, and, and yet he's love? See, we're going to wrestle with that in just a moment. But here's the point that I want you to see is that, is that this presents a tremendous problem for man. In that both, we have no natural ability to love the way that God loves. And on top of that, we resist the very help that God gives us to love. God is love. Love comes from God and he needs you to receive that. He wants you to receive that is what I meant to say. He desires for you to receive that. Receive that love and be transformed by it. So we'll look at how we reconcile that in just a moment. But what you can know is that love brings life and love brings life to the fullest. Next, we look at love is revealed by grace. Uh, John says it this way. He says, look, uh, you know, the way I said it before was, is that love brings life. It gives life, right? Well, it's done, it does this by revealing Jesus. Jesus is life. He's the way, the truth, and the life, right? So 1 John 4, 9 through 10 continues this idea. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In this, okay, what you're about to hear is how God displayed love. Okay, he actually showed it with, you could see it with your own eyes. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Again, love gives life. The whole point was that you would come alive. So, that through the son, we might live. And now, in this is love. Do you want to know? Here it is. Not that we loved God but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the, or, the, or the covering or the cleansing, the payment, however you want to look at this picture of sin. And, and John would say before this that it wasn't just for our sins, the good guys, you know, as we would hear ourselves. No, but he died for the whole world, good, bad, the ugly. He died for everyone, the lovable and the unlovable. He loves everyone the same. That's how God loves. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not that we have loved, there's the point, but that God loved us. Now hold on a minute, we got another problem. Don't you remember the commandment? The commandment was to go love God and then to go love your neighbor as yourself. And yet, as we're seeing, you had no way to do that. 
and God knew that. There was absolutely no way for you to do the very thing that God said you have to do. <laughs> and God does a lot of these things throughout Scripture to demonstrate that you don't have it within you. You don't have the ability to love the way God loves, and so you have to receive it from Him. In fact, Isaiah would say that your versions of all of these loves are like filthy rags. It's, they're gross. They're, they're littered with self. It's, it's got all kinds of contaminants within it. Only when we look to God for love do we see it in its purest form. So wait a minute. There's another problem here that I want to draw your attention to. And the first, the first uh, point that John makes, we remember that Jesus said that we are also to hate our families and to hate our lives and all that. And now we just read that God sent his own child to die for us. You ever thought, thought about that? So you're being invited to be a child of God, but he sacrifices his own kids? Uh, yikes. Uh, let's take a look at that in a minute, because if God is love, then we're going to have to wrestle with that as well. But wait, there's more. Let's get to our third point first, and that is this. Love is selfless. True love, agape love, is selfless. 1 John 4, 16-21. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And there it is right at the bat. Have you come to know and believe? A lot of us have come to know, oh, we've heard God is love. Well, have you believed it? That God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Agape abides or is within you. It's incredible. By this love, by this is love perfected with us. So God in doing this and that love came to live within you perfected or, or, or brings to perfection your loves, right? So here he goes. There's no fear in love, by the way. Because he says, uh, we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Was there ever a moment where Jesus doubted who he was? No, because he was love. He had love within him, right? God is love. He saw things from a whole different perspective. And this is the amazing part is he says that you and I, don't have to love from a place of fear. We don't have to love from a place of insecurity. We don't have to love from a place where I don't know if I can love the way God does because he gave us his love. And he continues to say, there is no fear in love. What are you worried about? Well, Javen, if I go love this person, they haven't said they're sorry to me first. Like they'll never apologize if I go just love them. Well, you sound afraid. <laughs> I, I, I would encourage you to take that version of love and, and show it to God. Let him transform it with his love. And what you will find is that there is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We agape because he first agaped us, if you will. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Let's talk about that for a second. Christians love verses like this. We love verses that seem to offer a commandment. And the idea is, is that if you have a commandment, then you should do it and you will do it. Well, we just saw before, God's given commands before that you had no ability to even do. So the idea here is that it's, John is drawing more attention to the fact that there were Gnostics, uh, there were other groups of people that were teaching things here in 1 John. This is not a verse just for a sermon. This was a real situation that was happening. And these guys were saying that they, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, I love God and all of that, but then they were encouraging division. They were encouraging people to leave the church. Have you ever noticed that somebody who gets a fresh revelation of love uh, and they, they all of a sudden leave the church, they, they have to just get out because I just can't, I, I have this understanding of love that 
That's not love. Like love literally is the opposite of that. Uh, let's look at this. And this is the commandment we have for him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Does that mean whether you agree with him on all of the theological things that he says? No. Does that mean agreeing based on, does that mean love is agreement? No. No, he says this. He goes, you, you, will, you will love your brother because God first loved you. Look, this kind of love, this agape love, if I were to encourage you, becomes natural for you the moment you believe. Now, there's a lot of things that are natural that take time to get good at. Think about the moment you began to crawl. That was very natural. And as I watched my child try to crawl, Adeline, for example, she dragged one leg behind her for a very long time. And I kept thinking to myself, if you will use both knees, you will go so much faster. But instead, she drug her little leg behind her until she started walking. So it took her some time to figure that out. And if I were to use my oldest as an example to, to you as well, look, that love is within you whether you see it or not. Maybe you don't consider yourself very patient. Maybe you keep a list of wrongs. I got really good news. You can act, absolutely take that version of love. Go, God, I have your love within me. Will you allow agape to transform my understanding in this area? And he will. You have to repent, in other words. Remember last week we talked about this, this word repent, metanoia, that means to change your mind after being with God. After you've been with him, you're going to change your mind about love. If you ever just sat in your room, put on a little worship, close the door, get rid of all the distractions, and just say, God, will you speak to me about how much you love me? I encourage you to do that this afternoon and watch as God speaks to you and, and firms up what he really believes about you. But wait a minute, Javen has one more rub here. Doesn't the Bible say that the Spirit of God, supposedly this best friend of mine, doesn't it say he can be grieved? He can be sad? And some will even teach that, that he'll become so sad that he'll leave you. So Ephesians 4.30 says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when we look at God as our father, as our brother, or as an intimate lover, through the lenses of the natural well, we come to rubs like this and we begin to, to add in what we understand about love and our own natural relationships into it, right? If you had a great dad, well, maybe you see some things about God that are, that, are, that are similar. But can I tell you that even if you had the best dad in the world, he pales in comparison, myself included, to God, to who he really is, to your real uh, heavenly father. If you have a great family, awesome. But even if you have a broken one, right, God presents this loving version of what a real family looks like. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. Agape love transforms everything. If you've had your heart broken, if you've been rejected, uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you've been, been hurt by love, can I tell you that God will not hurt you? You don't even need to sing the song. Uh, you see, what separates divine love from all of our understandings of love is this simple thought that love is selfless totally selfless. Every earthly love suffers from need, but agape love does not. I want to give you a quote. Imagine this, if you will, before anything was ever created, before anything ever was. Imagine this, that which is complete, we're talking about God here, that which is complete, self-sufficient, eternally blessed, no wants to satisfy, creates what it doesn't need, but creates to give. And the moment it gives the Garden of Eden, it sees the need for the crucifixion. That was C.S. Lewis in, in his book called The Four Loves, which I really encourage you to go read. And he says that there are these, these two different moments where we see that very kind of love. That the moment it did something, it automatically was already going to what, it, what, what else it saw the need for. It loved just continually filling needs. 
But I wanna, I wanna open that up to three different things, right? I'm gonna one-up C.S. Lewis here. Uh, there's three different ways that I see that God demonstrates this agape love. In other words, a love that is selfless, a love that doesn't have anything in it for himself, a love that is from him, that it gives life, all of those things. Let me, let me show it to you, okay? These three different moments. Number one, the creation story. Just as C.S. Lewis just said to us, why did God create man except that he just loved us? That was it. God is love. He didn't need a people to worship him. He didn't need to create. Like we, we, we add so much to the story. Really, it was simply because God didn't need anything. He's self-sufficient and he made you because he's love and he wanted to love you and he wanted you to receive that love. And for all of us to be in love together, that's it. There's nothing else to it. It's incredible. Number two, the moment he... He had this creation moment. Well, as C.S. Lewis said, there was already a preparation for the crucifixion, right? Jesus is mentioned in Genesis. You can go find it. Uh, and so in the crucifixion, we see where God removed all of our sin and all of our shame. He did all of that so that we could dance together again through what is the third example of God's amazing agape love, and that is the resurrection, where God revealed that all of the loves that we have can become eternal. That all of the loves that we feel for each other can have eternal value to it. Because of those three moments, we can see and go, wait a minute. I don't have to just love in an earthly way. Those loves stay here. Those loves die. Those loves are <laughs> grounded by gravity. Instead, we can love the way God does. We can, it's, it's within us because Jesus he came to reveal that to us. So let's talk about those, those rubs, if you will, real quick and look at what you can see. Number one, that we should hate our family. Jesus, your love, and I'm supposed to go just totally cut my family off and my own life and all. No, no, no. That word hate, you obviously should be thinking that if God is love, then it can't mean hate in the way that you and I know it. No, it just simply means to set it aside, to, to, to fail it comparatively to what you have. So he says, look, uh, should you hate your family? No. Should you hate your own life? No. He gave that life to you. But he says it's got to become uh, smaller, if you will. It has to be a failure comparatively to the family that God gives you. Look at this, John 19, 26. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that's John, by the way, he said to his mom, woman, behold your son. Uh, the family dynamic has just changed. Here is her actual son dying, and instead Jesus says, this person sitting next to you, John, that's your son now. The family of God is not built off of earthly bloodlines, uh, it's built off of a heavenly bloodline. Your family is so much bigger than you can imagine. Okay, number two, does God send his children to die for him? Is, is he some kind of strange God who, who does things like that? No, never, and you should know that. Uh, our loves can't fathom what he did. Even Jesus himself on the cross, when impacted by sin, finds himself saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is exactly what love on this planet feels like because of, 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 of the fallen nature and the fallen elements of this world. We, our loves are so fallen, right? And so here's even Jesus in this very human moment saying, God, where are you? I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't sense you. I don't, I don't understand. Why have you forsaken me? And as C.S. Lewis says that that love, this, these loves of ours have to die in the same way that Jesus died so that our loves can be resurrected once more into agape love. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God wasn't, Jesus wasn't up there alone. The Father was with him, and 2 Corinthians says it right here. God was in Christ. So no, God doesn't give his children away. Uh, God absolutely gave his life up so that he could have children of love. 
How about the spirit being grieved and leaving you? Uh, well, that's what our lives look like, doesn't it? Just go on Facebook and post an opinion. Uh, you'll find that you'll lose friends real quick. Uh, look, the thing is that it just means to be made sad. In light of all that God has put within you, in, in light of all the love that God has, has created you from, he looks at you and says, that's not it. And he's grieved. Not that he's leaving or that he's sitting there disappointed or shocked at what you did. No, he knows all of those things. He just wants you to surrender what you consider love to agape love and enjoy all that he has for you as a child of God. Look at this promise from Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. That's the kind of God yesterday, today, and forever you have living within you. You are his child, and he goes with you. And he's not the kind of dad who needs, who's got a ton of work on the weekends to do. No, it's a permanent weekend with you always, where he just has time to spend with you. He already worked, the Bible says, so that now we can all rest together. Won't you rest? Won't you rest? Ephesians says it this way, look, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Jesus shows up on this, on this earth as agape. And he goes and he loves lepers first. Uh, those who nobody wanted to love. He loves them. He goes to the prostitutes. He goes to the Pharisees. He goes to his enemies. He demonstrates a love that doesn't look like our loves. It shows a love that never fails. He transformed all of those people's lives in one way or the other because of this great gift of love that he's given us. As we kind of wrap this up, um, I want to say this, that man has such a hard time receiving God's love. And maybe you find, even at the end of this message, hearing about how much God loves you, you find, you find yourself saying, yeah, but that's, that's hard for me to receive. Do you know why that is? It's because it's hard for all of us as humans to receive help. We love being self-sufficient. We love believing that we have everything within us, that we can just do it all ourselves and we don't need any help. And God comes along and says, no, you will love only after you've received my love, which comes as a free gift to you. So surrender to that. Give up the fight. Listen to, uh, I'm going to end this with um, a little bit of C.S. Lewis. I want to I give you a quote, one of my favorite quotes by him that he puts in here. But, um, but we have such a hard time with this. And I, and I think this is a, to end, you with, to end with a, a little thought too. I remember when I first got saved, when I first believed, I remember promising God this. And maybe you've made promises to God too. I said, God, if you will do this for me, then I will live for you forever. You know what that was? It's me wanting to pay for what God did for free. Maybe you said, I'll spend the rest of my life, God, doing this. Or, God, I promise you, I will. all that is is your flesh trying to get involved again. Will you rest instead in God's love? As Lewis says, uh, how we view the natural loves must die. As I said before, a resurrection must take place. And he says this, those who are maturing in agape love, if you want to know how you're doing, by the way, we don't believe that you're being sanctified. You are sanctified. And because you're sanctified, you can mature as a child of God. And what you see is this, those who are maturing, you want to know how you're doing? You will find that you need men less and love men more while delighting more in being loved without being needed. You'll know you're reaching this agape love, that your loves are being transformed by God when you don't need anyone to love you back, when you don't, you find such a fulfillment of love within you that God put there, by the way, that you just love everyone the same way that he does, that you find way more fulfillment in loving without any need or anybody loving you back or getting anything really in return, except that uh, you can just love the way that God did. We agape because he agape first. As he is, so also are we in this world. 
So I encourage you today, hold up your idea of love, whatever that may be. Let God shine some light into it. Let God totally transform it and reveal it uh, for what it really is. And he'll add to it. He'll change it. He'll make it better. He'll do all of those things because we have a loving father and we have someone who walks with us always in love. Let me pray for us. Father, I uh, thank you so much that you are love, that you are this incredible, incredible love, a love that we can't find on earth. God, I pray for anybody that's listening uh, to the sound of my voice. Father, anybody who's experienced hurt and hardship and they've been told that was from you, God, will you go right now and just destroy those thoughts? Will you bring your love uh, into the room and transform every love that's represented here today? Everyone who's listening and all the hurts and all the ways that we're wondering, how can love not fail me? God, I pray that you would show us exactly how agape love doesn't fail us. Lord, we, we rest in you and we rest in your amazing love. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is love? Well, it certainly won't hurt when it comes from God. So go spend a little time with him today. Hope you have a great Sunday. Thank you.